Welcome again to the Arlington Baptist Podcast. I'm so glad that you're joining me again today, and I hope you're keeping up with our new series and each of these episodes that I hope will help you. Uh, We are on a series uh, that I've entitled, What's Happening? And I just use that title to kind of be a springboard into all the issues of our day, what's happening in our world, what's happening in your world, in my world, in our churches, in our homes, our workplace, our nation. And of course, much is happening around the world. Uh, I've already covered the first topic of these uh, six or seven or eight topics I hope to cover in this series. I don't know how long it'll go, but we just finished last uh, episode, uh, the first subject that I covered. And none of these are in any order of importance. They're all important. I just kind of jotted some notes down and keep myself kind of focused on this series Uh, I want to go on to a different subject today, and we covered in the first, uh, I think, eight episodes or so, maybe nine, as we first introduced it, uh, the subject of politics and government. And it's so important, and all of us, uh, whether you live in the United States or even outside of the United States, whatever country you live in, you deal with political issues. You, You have to live under a government, God uh, ordain human government, as we talked about. So we all have to live under some kind of government, and it affects us uh, in, in many more ways than we even are, are aware of and willing to admit. But anyway, I want to move on now to uh, another subject that somewhat is related. I thought it'd be a good thing to cover this second major uh, heading under what's happening, and that is the subject of social issues. Now, we're going to get into some deep weeds here and some very controversial things, I'm sure. Uh, But again, my uh, goal, my heart, my motivation is to go back to the Bible and see what God says, okay? Uh, You can get mad at me. You can get mad at a church or at a preacher or at a Christian uh, individually. But uh, I hope you'll not get mad at the Bible and you need to be open to what God says, okay? Uh, our church, my ministry as a pastor, uh, is is completely re, uh, under the auspices, under the responsibility uh, of the Word of God, the requirement of staying with what God says. It doesn't matter what I believe, what our church believes, what your church believes, what any church believes. It only matters what God says. And so as we go through some of these very debated and heated issues of our of our day, I hope to bring it back to Scripture in, in hopefully more of a, uh, a focused way than you might hear in, in, on general podcasts, uh, different, uh, different uh, venues, blogs, the Internet, uh, websites, and so on. Because uh, I, I, I have a heart, a real burden to try to uh, line my life up with what God says and teach it to others and live it myself. None of us lives it perfectly. None of us has a corner on truth. Uh, and none of us knows it all. We don't all, all have all information. But God has given us enough uh, of His Word, enough truth in His Word on these subjects uh, to really, I think, direct and guide our lives. And so as I deal with social issues, let me just start by saying what I mean by social issues. Well, social comes from the word society. It's our culture. It's where we live. Uh, now, I live in America and in what we might call, it's been entitled now, Western culture. 
Uh, now, not all cultures are the same, of course. People live different lives in different parts of the world and different upbringing and, and background. Uh, but I'm going to be presenting uh, what I would say is more of a Western view of culture, of course, because that's where I come from, that's where I'm living, and that's where uh, uh, I have to direct my thoughts. But when I talk about society, you know, uh, when God first created Adam and Eve from uh, the first book of the Bible, the original creation. It wasn't long until man began to form uh, societies. After the fall and Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, we find out that man began to populate the earth, of course, and then uh, migrate to different places to spread out, and, and cities were formed, and societies were formed. And, and then after the Tower of Babel, following the flood, we think that uh, man began to, to separate because of the languages and form various people groups uh, that then became different cultures. And definitely people uh, in other parts of the world, say, for instance, uh, what we might call Eastern culture, the Orient, uh, the Asian uh, peoples of the earth, a very large population of our earth, uh, they would see things uh, somewhat different than we would. I understand that. And this is uh, in no way to try to, to claim ourselves as superior in any way. We're all made of one blood. We believe in, in all uh, that God created. We're all the same. We're all equal. I'll get into one of our social issues we'll deal with later. We'll be, I'm sure, dealing with racism and prejudice and bigotry. That's definitely an issue I want to tackle later. But just to kind of introduce this second major heading under our series of what's happening, I want to talk about just social issues of our day. And, and these are things that are big in the news. You won't have any problem uh, relating and having an opinion, I'm sure, on these. You may not hold the opinion I hold, and that's okay. We can still love each other and we can still get along and be civil. I, I wish our whole society could be that way. But uh, let me start today with the first of the social issues, and I'll probably try to cover five or six of these individually, maybe each episode. Uh, and this one really is such a huge um, issue that we have to face. It's one that's very much on my heart, a burden that I think all Christians in, in, uh, in America and, and throughout the world ought to have a position on, and that is the subject of abortion, abortion. Um, this, to me, is probably the uh, greatest issue politically, socially, morally uh, that our country and our world is facing because everywhere around the world, countries are taking a position on abortion, and sadly, most of them a wrong position, in my opinion, and the Bible's opinion, I hope to show you. But anyway, when I think of abortion, uh, we know it's uh, it was legalized uh, federally on the federal level back in uh, 1973 with the Roe v. Wade uh, decision by the Supreme Court, a wrong decision, I feel. Uh, and uh, But we can also thank God that due to the changes on the Supreme Court under former President Trump, uh, we know that Roe v. Wade on a federal uh, level was struck down. And because of those conservative judges, uh, rightly interpreting the Constitution that in nowhere in our U.S. Constitution is abortion uh, given as a right. Uh, I think, indeed, it was wrongly interpreted to begin with. But nonetheless, now we're in a situation where abortion is being debated, is being um, uh, legislated either for or against 
on the state level in all 50 states of the, the U.S. Uh, and I, let me go and, and really get more into the, uh, not the legal aspect, but the biblical aspect. But before I do, I, I do, I do want to say that even though these subjects I'll cover under social issues, uh, they're not any, in any order of importance uh, outside of the fact that I have to uh, state that I think abortion is the uh, great civil rights issue of our day. We think of civil rights. We think of the terrible uh, blight of slavery on American history. Uh, we think of segregation uh, and how it was finally and rightly stopped uh, in the 1960s. Uh, but I believe that abortion and the right to life, as we call it, the pro-life position that I hold, that I think the Bible clearly teaches, is indeed the civil rights issue of our day. Uh, I don't see how anyone uh, could, could, uh, in one hand, uh, condemn slavery, and we should. It was terrible. It was wrong. It should have never happened. I don't see how anyone could condemn uh, segregation, how uh, blacks in America, the African-American population was separated uh, as less than, as inferior citizens in our country. That was horrible and wrong, and, and thankfully it's been stopped. But I don't see how anyone could take a strong position against slavery, against segregation, and not be against abortion. Uh, this is, uh, to me, a, a very black and white, clear issue. Now, in order for us to to uh, go through and study abortion and understand why we hold the view we do and what view we should hold, uh, we have to get back to Scripture. And we have to say and answer the question, is abortion wrong? And if it's wrong, why is it wrong? We have to have a reason for what we believe. Uh, what is your standard? What is my standard? You know, you can ask anybody uh, about what they believe about any issue, but you have to then ask them or follow up with the question, well, why do you believe that? And what is your uh, source or standard for truth to believe what you do uh, believe? And so uh, when I say that uh, abortion is wrong, I want to answer the question, why is it wrong? Okay, it's not wrong because I say it's wrong, and it's not right because a pro-choice, quote-unquote, person says it's all right. It doesn't ma matter what man says. Men are often wrong. Uh, in fact, probably more than they're, they're, they're right, they're often wrong. Uh, we could say that 60 million Germans uh, said Adolf Hitler was right. Well, there could there were some exceptions, of course. I'm making a generic statement, a, a kind of overarching statement. But we know that the vast majority of German uh, citizens in the 30s uh, supported Adolf Hitler uh, to the ruin of their country, to the disdain and the blackness of their country, even to this day, uh, in killing not only six million innocent Jews, but millions of other innocent people. So we could say that just because 60 million Germans agreed with something didn't make it so. And nothing makes something so just because a person says so. We need to know what God says. God trumps every man in, in man's position. Uh, I love what it says in that phrase in Romans chapter 3. It says, let God be true and every man a liar. 
And that's very, very applicable to this subject. So uh, let's talk about why is abortion wrong? This is a social issue that everyone has to take a stand on and has to know where they stand on. Well, we could say that the main reason abortion is wrong is this truth. Life starts at conception. If someone can prove to you, as it's been proven to me, and the Bible is very clear on this, that life starts at the conception of that male sperm and that female egg, at that idea of conception, that is a life. If that fertilized egg is a life, then to stop that life, to intervene, to, in a sense, uh, murder that living uh, life in the womb uh, is indeed wrong. Because all of us would agree, I would hope, that murder is wrong. One of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not kill. It speaks specifically of murder. If life starts a conception, and I think the Bible is very clear that it does, then to take that human life, to violently, brutally uh, interject into the womb of a woman uh, any means to kill that life, to stop that life, then that has to be considered murder, and thus it has to be considered wrong. Now, let me read you some passages in Scripture. Again, it doesn't matter what I say, what our church says. It matters what God says. But I think the Bible is so crystal clear on this. Let me begin in Psalm 139. I'm reading from the King James Bible. That's the version that we use, that we prefer, and we have some strong reasons for that. But let me read verses 14 through 16. Uh, the writer, David, writes about his own conception, his own birth, uh, his own life before birth, really. And he says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. He's talking to God. He's praising God for his life and the conception of his life. He says, now look, notice this, my substance was not hid from thee. That word substance, it means his physical as well as spiritual and, and, and uh, emotional uh, being. Man is a tripart being, a tripart being. We have body, soul, and spirit. We're three in one. And it's one of the many ways we're made in the image of God, I think. But anyway, when he says my substance, he's really talking about that early formation of that fertilized egg in his mother's womb. He says, my substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret. Isn't that interesting? He's not talking about the act of sexual intercourse that his parents uh, involved were involved in to conceive him. He's talking about really more how that fertilized egg is in his mother's womb and nobody can see it. And even for some time, the, the mother, the potential mother doesn't know it, that she's with child. Uh, but it's in secret. Well, God sees all things. It's not secret to him. And curiously wrought, curiously wrought, that means we don't understand it all. Life, the conception of life, all life is a miracle. God's a miracle worker. He's a giver of life. Remember, uh, the Bible teaches God gives life. And so it says curiously wrought or worked in the lowest parts of the earth. Now, that does not mean in hell under the earth. It just means, again, in the part of of uh, our being that we uh, don't completely understand. The lowest parts of the earth could just refer to things that are unknown to us. And we don't, we can't even today with all technology explain how 
that really ha- I mean, we know the mechanics, we know the physic- physical aspects of, of conception, but we really don't know how God formed life, how he forms life. He performs a miracle. That sexual union of husband and wife, and from that comes this beautiful baby born from that. Well, then he goes on and says in verse 16, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, when in, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. He talks about the ongoing uh, pregnancy period, the growth of that little baby. Uh, they call it a fetus. I don't like to use that phrase. It, it sounds so cold and indifferent. It's not a fetus. It's a life. It's a baby. Now, in Jeremiah 1.5, listen to this verse that again backs up the idea that life starts at conception. Once that's settled, friend, uh, settled, the whole argument is settled. In Jeremiah 1.5, listen to what Jeremiah said, uh, or God said to him, uh, Jeremiah 1.5, about Jeremiah the prophet, before I formed thee in the belly, God talking to Jeremiah, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. That means Jeremiah was known of God before he was ever born. And while he was even in his mother's womb, he was a person. Exodus chapter 21, one of the civil laws God gives to Israel in Exodus. It's an interesting little account. It, it deals with two men getting a fight. And listen, what I'll read you the passage and maybe you make a comment. Verse 22 and 23 of Exodus 21. If men strive, that means they get in a fight, a, fight, a fist fight, a, a, a violent altercation, and hurt a woman with child. Notice, maybe the wife of one of the guys gets in the middle, tries to stop it, and she gets hit. So that her fruit depart from her. Boy, that's interesting. The f- word fruit means her child. And yet no mischief follow. In other words, it wasn't done on purpose. Uh, the, the man who, who struck her in her stomach and caused the death of the child in her womb did it accidentally. It was not premeditated. It was like manslaughter. He shall surely be punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judge is determined. In other words, he's not scot-free. He's still going to pay some price, but... Notice this next statement in verse 23. And if any mischief follow, now, then thou shalt give life for life. So it apparently means here that if the man did it on purpose uh, to try to take this, this man's child, his wife's child, he is to forfeit his life. See, that's the death penalty. He dies because he took another life. That could not be the case if God did not consider that life in the womb to be indeed a living being. That baby is a life. Now, one final verse that I think would go well in this discussion, uh, or in the, uh, not discussion at all, but in the passage I just read, especially, remember it talked about the fruit in her womb? Well, listen to what Psalm 127 verse 3 says. This is a great verse. I've, I've used this. Other preachers, Christians use this to speak of the the blessing that children are. I have 12 grandchildren. My son and his wife just had their sixth child. We rejoice in that. What a wonderful family. Look what it says. Psalm 127 verse 3. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Children are a blessing, not a curse. God says the fruit of the womb is his reward to a couple. He's rewarding them. He's blessing them. 
And so we can state right up front without any reservation that abortion is murder because it's taking the life of a, an innocent life. It's taking a child who's alive and growing in the womb. Hey, you, you've heard some of these illustrations, but they bear uh, repeating. Uh, what would we think of someone who, who takes a little child and kills it, or, or, or a woman who takes her child and throws it in a dumpster? We know that's murder. Well, what's the difference in time, whether the baby was in her womb or uh, for a little while outside of the womb? Hey, we're, we're nothing but what we were in the womb, just grown uh, larger and, and, and more mature and live longer. We're still the same person. You are everything, and I am everything I ever was in the womb, and you are too. We just simply have lived longer and matured. So we know that life starts at conception. Now let me get into some of the other nuances that uh, they do need to be discussed. We talk about what about things like rape or the life of the mother. Um, let me just tell you that, first of all, the, these are very rare events. Uh, it, it just really is frustrating to me personally, on a personal level, to hear the, the anti-life, the pro-abortion uh, side of this issue in our country and elsewhere, trying to use rape and, and the life of the mother as the great exception clause, as if it's so regular and so uh, vast and common that we, we can't outlaw abortion because we'd be, you know, stopping, uh, you know, a, a lady that was raped or a woman whose life was in danger from being able to have an abortion. I, I want to tell you that we know by statistics that these are very, very small amounts of, of women involved, very rare. And let me just say that the, the life of the mother, um, you know, I'm going to leave that to God and, and, and doctors, but I would tell you that uh, there were many women who died in childbearing in biblical times, okay? And if God's the giver of life, he's also the taker of life. And we have to trust him. Uh, our lives from conception till death and eternity are in the hands of God. And we can't play God by saying, well, you know, the mother might die. We think she could die, so we're going to take the, the child's life. That's not for us to decide. We let God make those decisions. And the same with, with rape. When we think about rape, okay, we're not justifying rape. Rape is a wicked, evil deed. And, and in fact, in the Old Testament, you can look it up. A rapist was put to death. He was stoned to death. But anyway, that shows you how harsh God is on rape. But let me just say this. You know the old st uh, saying, two wrongs don't make a right? I think that applies here. Um, yes, it was wrong that a woman was raped. But to take the life of that innocent child, it wasn't that innocent child's fault. He wasn't behind that rape. He, he is the, the product of the rape, but it wasn't his fault. He didn't or she didn't cause it or make it happen. Why take their life? Better to punish the rapist. And then the woman can be helped and should be helped. And that woman can bear that child. And, and if she feels that she cannot raise that child because of the the stigma of the rape that caused that conception to happen, then, then she could give that child away. There's many, many thousands, perhaps millions of people worldwide who are wanting a child, who want to adopt. I'm going to talk about adoption later, but just to say uh, that that woman can give that child away uh, through adoption and be a great blessing. Give that child life. Don't make that child pay for the mistake, the crime of that, of that father. Uh, it wasn't their fault. 
Now, let me let me just give some balance to this. Now, uh, people bring up things like, okay, we pro-life Christians. I would call myself a pro-life Christian. In fact, I mentioned earlier, uh, I cannot vote for a Democrat. I'm sorry, I just cannot do it. Uh, they may be sound in other areas. I may agree with them in other areas, their policy and so on. But if someone supports the killing of unborn life, unborn babies in the womb, I cannot vote for them. I cannot support that. Uh, that'd be like supporting a murderer. That'd be like standing by a, a killer, a serial killer. I can't do it. And, and so, but let me say at the same time, I do not believe that the answer is the other extreme. I do not support or condone or in any way promote uh, the killing of, of abortion doctors, of bombing abortion clinics, uh, many Christians are lumped together and, and included as those who support this. We don't support that, okay? Now, I must say that there's a couple of other things I want to bring up before I close this study, and that is um, in the Old Testament, here's a comparison, something to just think about. I'm going to throw a couple things out that I hope you'll think about. In the Old Testament, there were a, there were a lot of paganistic practices, uh, false religions and false gods that were worshipped by the Gentile nations around Israel. And one of those false gods was the god Molech. And this god made up of men by men's imaginations. He was not true. There is no other god but the true god of the Bible. But this god Molech, uh, the people that worshipped him, this false god, would burn their children alive. They would make human sacrifice to Molech. And God condemns it in the harshest of language. Listen to Leviticus chapter 20 in verse 2. Again, thou shalt say to the children of Israel, this is God telling Moses what to tell Israel, whosoever he be of the children of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn or live temporarily as immigrants in Israel, that giveth any of his seed unto Molech, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. See, God says, if you, you have anybody, whether it's your, uh, of, of your people, Israel, or even a Gentile living among you, if you catch anyone burning their children to this false god, Molech, that person is to be put to death. I mean, now let me compare this. This is how much God hates those who take innocent life. And as I said, what's the difference between a life before it comes out of the womb versus a life prior to coming out of the womb? It's still a living being. And God is just as, as hateful and, and, and angry and just as offended by those who take life in the womb today by abortion. Millions, millions. I don't know what the number is in America, but think about what the number is if you go worldwide the communist Chinese, atheistic communi communism, uh, forced women to have only one child in China. They stopped it a while back, but for years they had a one-child policy where perhaps billions of children, if you think about it, died over those years uh, by this wicked practice. Well, you know God condemns any nation that kills innocent blood, that takes the life of the innocent. Listen to Isaiah 26, verse 21 where God says, For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity, their lawlessness, their disregard for any law and order and, and any decency. The earth, going back to the verse, shall uh, or also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. 
You see how God is talking about people hiding murder, hiding their wicked killing of the unborn we could include here. He said he's going to call them to account. Oh, you know, the Bible teaches that God not only will judge those who take innocent life, but he also judges those who promote it and allow it. Listen to Romans chapter 1. When God lists all these crimes and sins against his laws and the wickedness of man, and one of those, I'll just begin in verse 31. There's a long list beginning in verse 29, but I'll read just from verse 31. He's describing the wicked sins of man. He says, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection. Wow, without natural affection. Can that not be applied to a woman and even a man, the father and mother of an innocent child they conceived and they have no affection for it? but to snuff out its life in abortion. How wicked is that? But listen to what God says, going on to verse 32. Who knowing the judgment of God, and Paul is saying we should know that God's going to judge these sins, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. I mean, Paul, led by the Holy Spirit, of course, this is spirit-inspired, but he's saying those people are worthy of death who practice these kind of wicked deeds. But then he adds this, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So in other words, you might add the phrase, the word those, not only do, uh, not only those do that do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Oh, friends, God is saying that he's going to hold a country, a nation, a people uh, 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 responsible for the killing of the unborn. Even if they don't do it, they allow it. I hear this nonsense by these liberal democratic uh, officials and candidates and leaders in our country say, well, I'm against abortion, but I don't believe it's my right to stop a woman from doing it. Hey, would you stop a killer from killing other children? Would you stop a, a murderer from killing your own family? You'd want to. You'd take whatever means you had to to do that. Well, friends, this is, this is just really very clear things, clear things to see. Now, let me, let me bring this to a close. I'm running out of time, but uh, let me end by saying this. I think abortion clearly is, is not of God. It's an evil and wicked, murderous thing. How do we oppose abortion? How should we stand against it as Christians? And I think this is very important. Well, several quick things. First of all, by prayer. We ought to be praying. Pray for women who've had abortions, because God forgives them and will forgive them. Aren't you glad that there's no sin that God will not forgive? Even a woman who's had multiple abortions, even an abortion doctor, an abortion nurse, somebody who's worked in abortion clinics, and there's many ministries out there that, that, are, that are run uh, by former abortion uh, uh, participants. So we had to pray that abortion would be stopped from every state in every state in America and around the world. I'm glad I live in a very conservative state here in Texas. It's pretty much illegal to get an abortion anywhere in Texas. Thank God. But I'm praying for those so-called blue states. Uh, they need to wake up. The people in those states need to, to get conviction about this and, and talk to their legislators and vote out those uh, representatives that support this barbaric killing of the unborn. But that brings up voting. We ought not only oppose it through prayer, but voting. We ought to be voting for only pro-life uh, uh, candidates. You make that a lit, lit, litmus test. I don't care what anybody says. I cannot and you should not vote for anyone who supports the killing of unborn children. 
This is murder as God sees it, and people are going to be held accountable for that one day. Then we should be preaching and counseling and teaching others. Our family, our friends are sharing, sharing these truths that I went over quickly with you today. I just gave you a little bit to go on, but you ought to be able to share these truths. You ought to be in a church that's preaching and taking a stand against abortion. Our church takes a strong stand. We've supported pro-life ministries and helped crisis pregnancy center people and, and done some other things like that. And we're going to continue to always be involved in this fight to stop abortion, to save every precious life. And that brings up my last point, and this is a solution to the entire problem, this entire genocide. It is a genocide of these innocent children all over the world. The solution is every culture, including America, needs to be a culture of life. All life is precious to God. He is the giver of life. As we showed you, life starts at conception, and, and that is God's miracle. He is the giver of life, so all life is precious, and God is no respecter of persons. We ought to consider every life, whether it's someone who has a handicap, someone who is born with some kind of disease, someone who's born with any kind of abnormality, doesn't matter. With God, all life is precious, and we ought to treat all life with the utmost care and respect. And I can't understand, I want to close with this, but I still can't understand why we can't bridge the gap between all these millions and millions of abortions that shouldn't happen and all the many, many millions of people worldwide, many in our own country, who want to adopt. Why can't we end the plague of abortion by bringing the solution of adoption? Let's help those women have these children, aid them, support them, be there with them. Whatever it takes, these crisis pregnancy centers, these adoption centers, these agencies, we ought to get them all together and say, hey, keep your baby. Don't kill your child. Give your child to a, a couple who's infertile, a couple who would love to have a child. So I think we can solve this. Let's just keep praying, Christians. And I hope that you'll take these things uh, to heart and realize that God loves life and we should too. Well, thank you for listening. Next week, we'll pick up another one of these social issues we'll deal with. Remember our motto, conviction for truth, compassion for people. God bless you.